podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show on ESPN in association with Betfred Gang. We've got two brilliant guests coming your way as we get you set for the championship weekend. Phoebe Schechter, friend of the show. Spent a long time, of course, with the Buffalo Bills organization as part of their coaching setup. She's out in the States at the moment. She's going to give us the up close and personal insight into some of those Bills superstars, including Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, and help us understand what makes them tick and why they are doing what they are doing this season. So it'd be great to catch up with Phoebe as we preview the Bills-Chiefs game with her. But leading off, making a welcome return to the show. He is one of your favorites and one of mine as well. From around the NFL, he's the hero that is Greg Rosenthal. Greg Rosenthal, it's good to see you. Although I feel like I've seen a lot of you because every Sunday when I'm doing my radio show, you crop up on <laughs> every single one of the 74 screens in the studio <laughs> on Sunday. Well, I'm glad. So you, you keep every single um, screen on Sky Sports and Neil Reynolds. You just like to keep keep an eye on the competition, see what a- he's anchorman. up to. It's, it's that deep-seated anchorman thing that me and, me and Reynolds have going on. All right, fair point. Half of them are red zone and half of them are the, are the Sky game. But okay. it's, you're always looking sharp as well. In particular, the other night, when you were dropping your West Ham number 10 oh, Rosenthal yeah. shirt, I'd like to see that. I wish um, I wasn't like kind of locked in right now or else I would go over to the closet and get it for you. Yeah, but they're um, like one of their, you know, PR guys uh, sent me a nice personalized jersey. Look at what you've done. This was it was you who really started the West Ham um, fandom that, that I have now. And look at them now in the top. What is it? Are they seventh or eighth right now? I don't think it's a coincidence that I don't think it is at all a coincidence that ever since you've been on board, things have been generally looking up. Uh, uh, That is maybe one of the things I'm proudest of in all all I've done over the years, getting you on board the West Ham train, I think could be top five, a top five moment. (laughs) I mean, um, as a Patriots fan, it was a time I was... I was looking for some mediocrity to root for. It was like, right. oh, that winning was too much. Fair, exactly. You've definitely landed that with <laughs> with uh, with West Ham. Hey, I, another thing that flashed up as is often the way if you're using an iOS device, right? You get flashed up memories and uh, uh, pretty much a year to the day, it will give or take a week or two. We were in Miami, of course, for the Super Bowl, and there was a shot of we went out for dinner on a Saturday, a whole bunch of us, and you rocked up with Wes, and the three of us took a shot that we then, I think I captured on social media soon afterwards, that it looked like we were either, uh, it was a transatlantic uh, buddy cop movie, or uh, <laughs> set in Miami, obviously, or a band that had a top 10 hit in the 90s that were reforming for the money. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the latter one. Uh, I'll take the band. Yeah, there's something yeah. about like that was, you know, I loved that Super Bowl. Miami was one of the best cities to be in. Man, that feels like a long time ago. But yeah, there is mm. some sort of vibe to every outdoor picture you take in Miami feels like uh like a leftover from like a cop drama that like yes. didn't that, that you taped the pilot but it didn't get picked up like I, I bought a jacket uh that week that i wore uh on super bowl sunday to broadcast uh the game uh and i brought it back and it's been in my wardrobe ever since and i will possibly never wear it again mm. i mean come on the, how about the next super bowl in miami they're Deal. probably gonna do one 
another time when we're allowed to go to these things again. And that'll be vintage retro hipster. There we go. All right. Well, speaking of the Super Bowl, let's let's look at the Packers Bucks game with you in particular, right? It is Brady's 14th conference title game. My God, that makes me feel old. 13, of course, with the Patriots first. Crazy. Isn't it uh, incredible? I mean, just the, the, the ridiculous numbers for Brady keep on rolling. Where have you been this season, first of all, with the, with the Brady Tampa flow chart, right? Because it just seems to have rolled from extremes where all the haters were out early on, the knives are out, that, that some of them are still not buying it at all. The other extreme is that everybody's buying this Brady Bucks offense, the defense is balling and, and they've got a real shot of beating, beating the Packers. So where have you been on the, the Brady Tampa era? I, I've been on the more optimistic side ever, especially since that first Packers game. That was really it. Cause I wrote a big column. I remember right, right after that was, which was, you know, they won that game 38 to 10 and mm. I, and their defense had been playing so well at the time. And I said, okay, well the expectations, like if they weren't there before, this is a team that can win the Super Bowl. Like, it's just clear, like at their high end, they can win the Super Bowl. Now, watching them has been frustrating because they've been so consistently streaky, even like within games and within the season, they're extraordinarily streaky where it's kind of like Bruce Arians, their head coach, and then also the defensive coordinator, Todd Bowles. I think they're both boomer bust guys. So when it goes well, they look unstoppable for 15, 30 minutes at a time. And then they can just look terrible. The defense has definitely, you know, stumbled down the stretch overall. I'm not as high on them. Uh, And then the offense can, can look incredible in sections, but I'm an analytics, you know, I like the advanced metrics and they were always so high on the bucks Mm -hmm. um, as one of the top five teams in the league. So I feel like it's been, been justified now that we're here and they're still, they're still remaining. I, th- I think you're, you're spot on the data in particular, because I think there is a, an easy trap to fall into with the Bucks, probably because, as you say, they're so boom or bust. When they bust, the style of the offense, and it's something I, I've been ranting on about, so apologies to listeners if you're hearing this for the 57th time this season, but because they are, because Brady's quite a static quarterback in, in relative terms, because they're not, because we're in the era of Mahomes and stuff McVay's dialing up and motion and jet sweeps, and because they're not like that, but when it's going wrong, it just feels quite archaic, quite outmoded, doesn't it? That That's right. I do think they came out of their bye week with some adjustments that have worked. Now the schedule helped, but you know, that, they played Washington, who's a top five defense, lit them up. The Saints gave them trouble last week uh, for sure. Uh, but even the Falcons, when they beat them twice, they were playing pretty good defense. Otherwise, mm. they so they're they're passing a little more on early downs, which I think helps. And that they didn't do that last week, and I, that was frustrating. Uh, they're doing a little more play action, a little more motion. If you talk to the the people that cover the team again, they didn't do a ton of that last week, and they and they didn't look great. But you're right; it's kind of an old school offense. Like you know, let's bomb it on third and two. Yeah. Forget about running. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but man, they man, they have a, a lot of weapons, and I think yeah. I think it's a problem for Green Bay. I do not think the Packers defense matches up well uh, with this Bucks offense. Oh, let's drill down more on that then, because they're quite good at they're quite good at the you know handling the deep ball, aren't they? Jairo in particular, right? The 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 Packers. So you you don't think that? Let's start with that. Let's start with. The, I mean, there's so many weapons you say, right? Evans, Godwin, Gronk, Scotty Miller, who every, or the commentators love. Don't, every time Scotty Miller does a play, they just go overboard. Brown, of course, stepping in. Cameron Brait. I mean, they're all, all kind of all star card, dirty dozen kind of vibe cast there. 
so talk us through that matchup then. You think that that is just going to be overpowering for, for, for the Packers? Well, I think the offenses are better on both sides and we're going to get a lot of points unless the weather is just like windy and, and terrible. So it's, it's not just the Bucks, But yeah, I think the Packers defense is the worst group in this game. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they're the least talented group. You know, if you just look at the two offenses and the two defenses, especially in the back end. So that's the mm-hmm. linebackers. The Packers have been searching all year. And then, you know, their fans are like, why didn't they draft a wide receiver? You know, it's like, how good do you want this offense to be where you're still complaining about that? What they really could use is like a cornerback. They have Jair Alexander, who's great. Um, but I, I think I think this defense can be attacked. Like almost every matchup that the Packers uh, are going to have on defense, I think is a bad one, mm. uh, whether it's their safeties. Uh, and I think the running game for Tampa has really been better lately. Ronald Jones is a great runner. I mean, I, I really think he needs to be a big part of this game plan because the Packers run defense hasn't been great either. Yeah, well, they certainly led with the the ground game against the Saints and, Le- and Leonard Fournette, a comeback kid, Leonard Fournette. I mean, how about that? He, yeah, he, he's running pretty well, too. Like, I'd rather have him be the backup and Ronald Jones is getting more juice. And he was just coming off an injury. But I think that's going to be important. Um, I really do. It it was quietly why the Rams, who had no business being in that game, had the ball with 10 minutes left down one mm. score. Mm. And it was it was kind of because they were they were able to run the ball pretty well throughout the game. Um, get into favorable yardage. So if you do that with Brady, where you're giving him second and fives like. Compared to last week, I'm hoping, and I'm kind of giving away who I'm rooting for here, but I'm hoping they take some of the, you know, short passes that I think the Packers will will probably give them to some of the guys you mentioned. Um, mm. Godwin over the middle, Braid over the middle, Gronk. It, I think they could really use Antonio Brown to be healthy in this game. I'm not sure how he's going to look. Give me a Scotty Miller, Greg. Come on. I want to <laughs> like every. He's more of the outside guys. The outside guys. I'm not sure they're going to. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. Mm. The, he's more of the outside with uh, with Mike Evans. Wouldn't surprise me if Jair Alexander just kind of shuts down. Shuts down one or both. The just back to the to, to the Rams game. What was noticeable and obviously uh, self-evidently because of the injury to Aaron Donald. But the line without Bakhtiari held up pretty firmly, right? I mean, everybody thought that was going to be a, a real weak link for, for Green Bay or certainly a, a big advantage, big edge for, you know, pun intended, for, for the Rams. But it absolutely wasn't. They didn't hit land a sack. It was one quarterback hit. So was that down primarily to the Rams front losing its identity and its balance and its rhythm because of Donald? Or should we be looking at this Packers offensive line and think, well, that's an area that they can shut this game down if they can repeat the trick against the Bucks front? Yeah, I think they'll probably dominate the Packers' offensive line too. Um, I kind of think just, I no, I think the the the, the Packers' offensive line will we'll will be able to win this matchup. Mm. Watching them at the end of the season, I know they have big names, Jason Pierre, Paul, and Shaq Barrett, but they haven't been as as productive. They're struggling to get pressure without blitzing. Mm. And uh, you mentioned the Packers' O line without Bakhtiari. Well, they had that Week Seventeen game without him too against the Bears, and they did a great job. And and you know, like a, a lot of protection is about the quarterback. And I think Rodgers and Brady make their lines look good. Seems like they both have well-coached groups. That Packers line has been as good as any all year. And you're right. I mean, of course, it hurts to, to lose a great left tackle. It's a factor. But I, I still look at that overall matchup. And, I, and to me, they have Corey Lindsley, who's who's an all-pro type of guy. Um, they're they're pretty good on, you know, they're good on the right side. Like they, they're, they should win that battle. I think both offensive lines should win. It, we used to, we, we were hearing just last year, like, Oh, 
defensive, you know, linemen all off the edge. But right now you're seeing like you see three really good offensive lines remaining. I'm throwing the Bills in there too, are still yeah. playing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. On to well j- jumping back, I should say, to to the game you wrote about the thirty eight ten win. I mean, to that point, the 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 Bucks made hay against the Packers line that day, right? That was a key part of it. Five sacks and uh I really want to get your take on how important that game is when we're looking at this one, because if we draw parallels with the Bucks getting torched by the Saints week nine, week 10, whatever it was, and then we look at what happened last week, how much stock should we place in a game that happens mid-season? A little bit, not a ton. Some of the individual matchups I thought were, are instructive. It's got to give the Bucks some confidence. I mean, they are the mm-hmm. one, the one team that confused, Rodgers all year he made a couple bad throws and then was kind of on tilt I mean it was his one really bad game I I'm so afraid of Rodgers if I was the Bucks that it's almost like well you just showed him your best stuff you know right he's right kind of fall for it again twice yeah um, and that's the boomer bust approach Bulls blitz the heck out of them which is not normally the idea that you want to do against Rodgers but it but it worked mm. uh, and you just got to figure they're not going to do the same thing they're going to have to come up with a different plan. And I don't think their defense is playing as well right now, just overall as, as it was then that, that is my concern with the bucks coming into these last this game. And then the next game, if they made it to it was that they're, they're probably going to give up 30 points. Mm, yeah. Well, Vita Vea might be back though, right? They're saying, he's yeah. Looking, yeah, which will be a big plus, but I guess they're suiting up and then you've been out for seven, eight weeks or however long it's been. I don't know what shape he's going to be in. Yeah. He, he could help though. I mean, he's a great run stopper. He he pushes, you know, if if he was anywhere where he was at the beginning of the season, that would be a major development. But their run defense, who has which has great stats overall, hasn't been as good either the last five or six weeks. So it's funny, Matt Lafleur, you know, you know, they got the MVP with Aaron Rodgers. Everyone's wide open for Aaron Rodgers, but they're they're really run heavy. You know, they mm-hmm. really keep they stay balanced, and so their running backs are playing great, and so. I, I kind of repeating myself from the Bucks side, but I think Aaron Jones is going to be a huge factor. I think the running games for both teams are a huge factor because that's what their coaches want to do. Yeah, and that, that's what they did last round, right? Somebody described it ominously for the Bucks, talking about Rogers' performance in the last round, and I guess collectively the the Packers' offensive performance as just devastatingly patient. I think was the was the term yeah. that they used. I thought, yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, he like he hasn't had to be that fancy for lack of a better word. Um, mm. Like he hasn't had to have those second reaction, crazy Rogers plays. Like he makes a couple of them every game that that throw he made out of his own end zone was amazing last mm. week. And he had one in the two minute drive um, where he was scrambling, but it's like, he doesn't even need, need to do that. Guys are just open. He looks a little more like l- later career, Tom Brady, mm. just making the right decisions and not needing to rely on, you know, crazy athleticism. It's scary. I mean, he's like, He's on top of the game. So that's why it's hard to pick against him right now, but I'm still doing it. Yeah, it seems so. Yeah, that, that you answered <laughs> my final question. You are, you're leaving to, you're thinking Bucks are going to get it done then. I mean, I'm, I'm picking him by a point. I think it really is a coin flip. I don't see the Packers as some major favorite. I guess you give mm. them a tiny bit of edge that they're at home, but, but the Bucks defense, I give a little bit of an edge compared to the Packers defense. They do have a few more playmakers, I think, on the Bucks defense. And again, it's the boomer bust thing, whether it's in the secondary or not. Devin White, well, mm. they could give up a big play, but they, they seem a little more likely to make that game-changing defensive play. And mm. uh, 
going back to my old arena football league day, like when there's no defense, whichever team has like a little bit of defense and makes like one or two big plays, like a lot of times that's the team that, that wins. So I give them a little bit of an edge. I want to hear more about the, the Rosenthal Arena football era. I've never, <laughs> of all the years we've worked together, I've never, I've never heard about this. Uh, well, that Tell was me, at my, at my old job. At, Joby's team. Tell no, <laughs> I was at Roto World, which is of a course, fantasy yeah, 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 football yeah. site, and uh, NBC, or no, it was even before that. I think we just made some deal with the Arena League where we promised to cover them. Mm. You know, like they gave us money to cover them. So I had to cover like as if I was doing fantasy analysis for one season of watching Arena football. Amazing. Um, and so I was all about it for uh, one season. Well, I was I was forced to be all about it. But yeah, it makes you realize like if you can get one or two stops, you win the game. That's kind of what this game I think. You see, like. you're still taking things from that arena era even now. This <laughs> reminds me that there's a great Doug Stanhope line when he was talking about the brilliant stand-up who I'm sure you, you know you will you will love lo- love in that world who was talking about. Uh, how, as he often is, it, it does kind of ranting about life as a stand-up and uh, how abject it is and everything else and said, said somebody said to him, oh, you know, but you've got fans. You sell, back in the day, you sell CDs, you've got fans. He says, yeah, I've got fans. Arena football has fans. <laughs> 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 it's a great, a great Stanhope line. Um, okay, so that's Bucks Packs. Before we let you go, because we know you're the busiest man in, in showbiz, Greg Rosenthal, that is official trademark. I just want to ask a couple more questions about few other bits of news rivers retiring big news of course are you surprised that rivers is retired given the level he was playing at this season a little bit just because he you know obviously loves the game so much and he was playing well um but listening to him i mean it's funny he says it's been his lifelong dream to coach high school football and i don't know there's some guys that say that and you're like really that's been your lifelong dream but like philip rivers i believe it that like he it's meant so much to him um, playing football and the coaches that meant so much to him. He's, he's always had that in his mind and he relocated to Alabama last year with his kids, his son's in seventh grade. So I think he, he's like, you know, planting the flag and he said he wants to go to the spring practice, you know, for the, he's already hired. He's the, he's the coach. He got, he got the job already. They were holding it for him. Amazing. And he's like, I want to get going. And his son will be at that high school in a couple of years. And oh, like, great. I buy it, you know. I yeah. I buy it. He's one of the best, man. One of my all time favorites. I love that. I, I love that. I love this story as well. This end to the story. I mean, it is absolutely terrific to see that a player doing that, and also maybe more importantly, there's a reality show in that, surely, <laughs> which we've got to work work on the treatment for. <laughs> there's no one like him though. Like he um, he might get a job. They're they're saying they might try to figure out something where they could use him in Monday Night Football because it's like ah. high school football here is on Friday. Right. So yeah, yeah, actually yeah. the timing, the timing court, but there was no yeah. one like him. I mean, who else was like the biggest trash talker in the league, but didn't swear, you know, it's like this straight, <laughs> like sure. insanely competitive and an annoying, but like everyone loved him. No one really threw like him. You know, he always went down swinging, which was maybe a, a strength and a fault. Um, but yes. I also think he was like incredibly underrated. Uh, you know, to me, he was a, a top five quarterback so many years. Um, yeah, that's tough. That's tough to do. Like when you look at other guys, Roethlisberger, maybe, but like Eli, Matt Ryan, you know, Stafford, like those guys weren't top five guys over and over. And I think people mm-hmm. don't realize that with Rivers. You know, that came up a show I was doing the other day. We were talking about the inevitable. Is he a Hall of Famer? And Eli, for the record, I've always been. He is for the, for those two runs and not just what he did in the games, but in 
the the playoff runs in particular and his performances on the road in in those in both those Super Bowl wins. So, a, a, what five six year period, a condensed body of work with ultimate success twice. I think gets the gets him over the line but for the same reason to your point it's a bit like the Andy Reid Eagles right that I think were underrated back in the day they're always in the playoffs and and he was underrated I think uh, as a head coach then for being a perennial contender because he didn't get over the line you look at Rivers's body of work not just lasting 15 16 years or however long it was but as you say most years being top five top seven quarterback I, I think that has to count for a lot so do you think on the on the inevitable question do you think he is the right side of the canton line i do yeah mm. and i i don't think it's that close like i think i would put him in you know way ahead of eli because you, know, you look at the, i think the best how i would measure it and it doesn't seem like it's how the voters measure it is just in the six the 16 game season is the best way to measure guys mm. and yeah the playoffs matter and that's like that's put into the equation, but I look at what did you do over 16 games? And I definitely put a lot of weight into the fact that if you look at like the offensive line rankings and the run game rankings that rivers had with them, this entire career, it was right. abysmal. And like, I can't forget that. So it's like, you know, those two guys, I would have had rivers being better over the course of those six, 16 games than Eli, for instance, mm. almost every season, every season, yeah, that's 2011, fair. actually people, Eli was real. I mean, 20, 2008 and 2011, Eli w- w- was very good. You know, mm. a top five, I would say, in 2008. That was not a year they even won the Super Bowl, but he, mm. he was great. But that's about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, one more for you. Uh, the Lions getting their man, Dan Campbell, who's not, <laughs> not the most exciting pick, is he? Not the, not the necessarily the name that Lions fans wanted. But then the hipster coordinator pick doesn't always pan out, does it? No, it's so hard to know who's going to be a good coach or not. Because as the Lions, you sort of lean on, well, probably not because they've been so bad picking coaches. You know, it's more about the organization. You know, they have a new GM there too. Um, or the, you know, the, But he didn't choose the coach, so that's a little confusing. Mm-hmm. But Dan Campbell's going to be great for content. I mean, I was just watching his introductory press conference and – Man, he is something else. I mean, he looks like a Miami Beach bodybuilder and <laughs> talks like one. He's sort of got this, like, you know, intelligent sort of meathead Jeff Bridges vibe. Like, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's great. He's going to be great copy. I mean, he's going to be great, great for content. He is he's a wild guy. Love that. So another, because Joe Judge, for, for similar reasons, I'm a big fan of, uh, just for the, uh, oh, you're not buying Joe. No, no, I'm, I, I am, but to, content wise, Dan Campbell is like a next level character. Joe Judge is like the third guy on the call sheet, you know, you mm-hmm. know, Dan okay. Campbell is the lead. He's, he's going to open your movie as an action star. Joe Judge is just kind of like a nice, uh, quirky side character. Chicago PD to the wire of Dan Campbell is what you're, <laughs> <laughs> essentially what you're saying. Uh, he's, he's great to see you, man. And uh, looking yeah. sharp, I should point out as well. Love that. Loving the, the cap. What's going Not on? There? Really? Uh, yeah. Well, this is like, you know, this is early in the morning. So this is like pre-workout. I'm going to, you know, put a hat on uh, mm. for your program um, and then go. <laughs> yeah. This is a, a Yakult Swallows hat. There you ah, go. Yeah. I think you dropped that before. I think. Yeah. 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 I have been. I like I that. Been. You see good memory. Um, and the Super Bowl. what's your plans for that? Are you going to be, you guys going to be out there with you around the NFL or? No, we're uh, we're home. I have yeah. not even been to the NFL Network offices since uh, March uh, 11th or whatever day we we shut down. So yeah, yeah, yeah. 
there's a there's a handful of people I think going from her network, but it's really small, um, as as you would imagine, a small yeah. effort. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With this, similarly, everything everything remote, and it will be all doing the Super Bowl this year. But I know you guys will be all across it, and I know uh, a lot of our listeners are all across your stuff. So uh, it is great to see you, man. Look after yourself, and come and see us soon. You too. Next year, you know, we'll, we'll watch a uh, Trevor Lawrence game in person together. Hopefully there. Deal. Now. Mark that. Mark your card. Mark your diary. It's a done deal. <laughs> Great stuff from Greg. Looking forward to catching up with him very, very soon. Let's roll things on AFC Championship game. Bills Chiefs. Here's Phoebe Schechter. <laughs> Phoebe Schechter. Great to have you back on the show. Uh, and it must be a, a pretty good time to be a card carrying member of Bills Mafia right now. Yes, I am so excited. It has been just like amazing to be watching the Bills over these past few weeks. I mean, this whole season, it's been building. But now to be in the championship weekend like this, I just can't contain myself. <laughs> and I, that's true, I'm sure, of anybody with the best interest in the Bills, but, but particularly for you, right, who has been with the organization so closely over over the last three or four years that you know so many of the key protagonists here right you know so many of uh, of the people involved that are a game away a win away from the Super Bowl exactly and just like you said when you're so kind of emotionally invested in them and knowing these guys you know working with them day in and day out just to see the growth and the journey that they have all individually been on but then as a collective you know what coach McDermott said from the very beginning about pulling everyone together and, and bringing them in the same direction. And now to see his vision really coming to life and all those puzzle pieces fitting together four years in, I mean, what an incredible feat and, and just, you know, so much like incredible, like love and attention to the, the details and, and what a great organization. Let's drill down a bit more on that first of all then. Right. So we, any coach that goes into a, a job in the NFL has the same game plan. They want to create success, obviously. They want to stamp their identity on an organization. They want to have the, the, you know, the Bill Walsh blueprint of from top to bottom. This is how we do things here. So talk us through it in a, in a bit more detail, those details that you mentioned about Coach McDermott. What has he managed to do so successfully? How has he managed to put together and, and pick up a team that was struggling and turn it into a Super Bowl contender? Yeah. And one of the first things that he did when he got to Buffalo was he brought everyone together. So not just your staff, not just your, your players and coaches and things like that. He brought cafeteria staff, your ticketing office, you know, literally anybody who worked for the Bills organization, he pulled everyone together and he let them know what his vision was, the standard that he was expecting and that he wants everyone in the same boat pulling in the same direction. And if, if you weren't interested in it, that's fine. But this is what this team is going to be going forwards. And it's really pivotal to have that buy-in from the top down. So from the owners to the head coach, but then spreading that through to the coaches because the coaches that are with these players every single day are the ones that are really going to have to be pushing that messaging across. And once you then from there can identify a leader within the players, now you've really got the ball rolling because you need that buy-in from one of the like main players to really carry your message across in the locker room behind the scenes when it's not just in a classroom. Uh, and they've done a great job. You know, it's, 
it, I kind of think of it like when you have a garden, you plant your seed, you know, there are some weeds that pop up that you have to get rid of, but it's all about getting that garden to be these beautiful flowers that grow in the end. And I think we're finally seeing that now of all the love and attention with the watering and feeding of our garden. Uh, but now we get to see that with, with where they are and, and what they've accomplished so far. And, you know, as, they, as they're all saying, one not done. So two right. more games to get to. <laughs> well, let's talk about the, one of those. I, I describe Josh Allen as a flower. A, I think maybe more accurately, a tree, a kind of <laughs> old willowing tree. But I mean, he, his, his, development his his blooming let's let's stick with the stick with the horticulture it has been extraordinary and uh and i think it surprised most people and nobody I, I think is begrudging how far he's come i mean are we saying first of all are we saying he's, is he's a is he a top five quarterback in the nfl right now yeah and i would absolutely say that i mean you know the thing is he's finally been able to he's always had the arm and mm. he's finally really growing and the game's starting to slow down a little bit for him at first, he was trying to just hold the team on his shoulders and carry them with him the whole time. And that is so tough to do when you're in that leadership position because you need to have, you need to delegate, you need to spread that out. And now that he's got receivers like Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, he can rely on them. He's got people he trusts around him and he's able to make much better decisions. I mean, I, I'm sure you remember his first couple seasons, he was, he was throwing the ball into double coverage. He was throwing across his body. He was only seeing deep. He wasn't seeing these little short passes. So now he's finally putting these puzzle pieces together and, and we're getting the Josh Allen that we all knew was in there, but we didn't actually realize, I think, that it would happen this quickly. Are you surprised having worked closely with him and, and being alongside him from that start, from when he was, was a rookie? Are you surprised at how quick the progression has been? I think the thing is I, I knew that it was in him and I know a lot of the organization knows that, but what, what the bills have done a great job of is surrounding him with pros. So not just as coaches, but bringing in people like Matt Barkley quarterbacks that have been in the game for a long time because he didn't know what it looked like to be a pro. What does that everyday experience look like? And having people like that around him to support him has been so integral to, to developing him, not just as a player, but as a, a leader. So, you know, his arm has always been there. I'm not surprised by that. I mean, in walkthroughs, I remember we would be doing walkthroughs in a little hotel room and he would just be throwing the ball to these players. Like, like they were taking off his fingers. They had to be like, yeah, we need to just <laughs> take a little up. zip off of that guy. We're just walking through. And that was him as a rookie, you know, and he had that power mm. behind him. So now you've got the power, the football smarts, um, and, and he's just he's in love with Buffalo. He's in love with the organization, and he's really become the franchise quarterback that they drafted. Yeah, it's a great point you make about Matt Barkley. You know, or the, or, you know, more broadly, a backup producer and Ollie. I was chatting about this uh, earlier on in the week. That well, actually, was we were talking about it on the Edge Rush show. I think in terms of Chad Henney, right, and saying. If the and just humor me, just for the, the sake of this anecdote, if the Chiefs were to go on and win the Super Bowl this year, which obviously we don't want them to do, but if they were, Chad Henney is going to sit there and look at his ring and think I had a really big part to play because obviously, obviously he did in terms of what happened at the tail end of the Browns game. But it, it led us on to what backup quarterbacks do in seasons when they don't necessarily get that opportunity. It's still quite instrumental in in an organization, and absolutely when you've got a young quarterback like Josh Allen, Matt Barkley hasn't had a storied career as an NFL starter, but 
through USC to 10 plus years in, in the pros, right? He is, you know, he's a, he's a heavyweight athlete that's seen a lot. So just that guidance and wisdom from a lesser player ultimately than, than Alan, it, it's fascinating to hear the influence that, that he's had. What about, um, Brian Dable's evolution as well? There was a great article I read this week by a writer called Cameron Hogwood and he wrote it for the Sky Sports website. I thought it was brilliant about the, the evolution of Alan, but also the evolution of Dable and, the development that he has had, is this a case of the stars aligning? I was thinking of, of Tennessee, right? And Tannehill and how everything just fit for him in that organization at, at the right time. And I guess we see it quite a lot with, certainly with quarterbacks, different situations, things just work where maybe they haven't before. So is that, is that to some degree what's happened here that Dayball has had you know, a, 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 a credible career, but nothing like this season, right? Is that a case of the stars align? He's got Allen, he's three years in the saddle, Diggs has come in, as you say, and, and everything, it just fits at the right time. Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of that comes down to also ownership again. I mean, we've seen so many coordinators passing through and the fact that Coach McDermott and the Pagoulas have said, we believe in you, Dable, and we want you to carry on because it would have been very easy after year two when it wasn't a great season to kind of cut him. But they wanted that consistency for Josh. And that was so important to make sure that he had the same coaches around him and and really grow up in a nice, supported environment. And, mm. you know, there's been a lot of learning for, for Dable as well. You know, he came from a system that he'd been in for years and then to come in with a brand new rookie quarterback when you've almost been working at the Tom Brady level, it's just not realistic to try and install this much in that much detail. And, you know, I remember Coach McDermott coming in a couple of times and us having these conversations on how do we make this easier? How do we make this more digestible for Josh and for the rest of the offense? And so there's been a lot of growth on both sides. And now, they're both so comfortable with each other. Again, you know, they've, they've been in the same system, which makes such a difference that now it's not like he's having to learn the playbook, learn the defense, learn his players and personnel. Well, he has the playbook side down. He, we like to think you're, you're reading from the same hymn sheet. So he can almost predict what Dave's is going to say to him. Uh, and that's really key. You know, even, even if it's offense, defense, whatever it is, coach McDermott is a massive, um, supporter of that making sure that if we're on third down I hope that our DB knows what our what Leslie Frazier is going to call right or you know first first play of the game what do we think we want from this so if we're all on that same page it just takes away the stress and allows you to to play free and, and play fast yeah it's it's such a good point I, I remember when the the this really hit me for the first time was was looking at Sam Bradford and trying to work out why Sam Bradford hadn't lived up to the expectation levels that a lot of people had for him. And, and it goes back to situation, right? He went through something like five or six different offensive coordinators in his first five or six years. I mean, it's just, and it's exactly the reason he said, you've got to learn that you're a young quarterback. You're going to learn a new playbook every year. It's, it's ridiculous, but respect for, uh, with the bills in terms of the continuity, because it is, uh, used to be more consistent. I think of the NFL, didn't it? it used to be compared to football, you know, European football, where you're cutting coaches fast and loose in the NFL, it never seemed to be like that, but it's starting to creep in more and more. And so it's great to see organizations that buy into the importance of continuity, because look at, look at the Steelers, look at the Ravens, look at the, the majority of the most successful teams. Continuity is the, the common thread, isn't it? 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and you want that because it's so hard if you come into an organization, it doesn't matter if you're in sports or, or in business, whatever that may be, there's going to be people that are existing there that have that same mindset of what that organization used to be that perhaps aren't the right people that you want in your new organization or in the new culture. Mm. So now you're not, you're coming in and you're trying to slowly really figure out what your identity is. And that takes time. And if you're only given a year per se, well, who's to say you're ever going to get the opportunity to bring in the people you really want in the building and the people that are going to make a difference. Yeah, we're, we're exactly. All right, let's get down to the game because uh, the, and we're recording this Thursday afternoon, right? So the obvious, the obvious first question is Mahomes or, or not. It's almost certain he's going to play, right? I can't imagine any scenario where, where he doesn't suit up. Yeah. And, you know, it's a really tough one, right? Because concussions are not something that anyone wants to joke around with. And if you look at what a normal concussion protocol is, you're looking at two weeks of nothing, no working out, no doing anything. So the doctors have to be 110% sure that there is nothing wrong, that there is no, you know, potential damage that could further happen to Mahomes with him going back in. Um, and it's, it's hard when you're talking about, you know, this could be the game that, that makes or breaks your team and gets you to the Super Bowl. Right. I think they're going to do everything possible. I think I've seen that he's been in walkthroughs. Um, so I think that's really the aim. But like you said, I mean, Henny stepped up big time. Um, and, and it's not, yes, it is obviously the quarterback, but they still have some great receivers in Kansas City. You know, they've got some great weapons out there that, you know, yes, help Mahomes, but at least Henny's been there the whole time. Mm. He's worked with them. He'll be practicing with them, getting into a rhythm and timing. So there's still going to be a dangerous outfit, whether it is Mahomes at the helm or Henny, um, and not someone for, for the Bills to sleep on at all. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. You know, it's, if, if it does turn out that Mahomes doesn't start, I think that's the absolute complacency trap to fall into. You think, oh, well, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a lock now, but yeah. And Greg Brady made the point on our show earlier on this week, that importance of the week 17 start for Henny, just to get those touches, just to kind of get, I know he's getting them in training to a degree, but just to be in a game time situation, albeit one with primarily backups around him. In terms of the game earlier in the season, which was a a fairly straightforward win for for Kansas City, 26-17, and they had a lot of success on the ground, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was a big part of that. Again, he might or might not start on Sunday, so that's something to keep an eye on. That was, I guess, a result of the game plan defensively that they implemented, right? The Bills saying, we're going to take out the deep threat. We'll play two deep safeties and uh, and dare you to beat us a different way. And, and of course, the Chiefs said, okay, and, and filled their boots on, on the ground. Looking back at the game as well, uh, not much, I think not any blitzing at all coming from, from the Bills, which makes sense because it's always dangerous to blitz my homes. Do we think they'll change the game plan defensively going into this game? I think they'll have to do a bit different, but it's making sure you don't, you know, if you believed in that game plan in the first instance and, you know, why are you going to change it? Because, because the chiefs haven't really changed their game plan, Mm. you know? Yeah. They probably added a bit more run game, but I mean, we just come, we're coming off the back of playing the Ravens who have a massive run game and, and our defense were able to stop them. Then I think it's making sure that you don't lose your identity and your, yes, you're game planning towards them, but you still, have what you believe in when you go into it. Um, you know, I think it's just going to be, I think it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be something where the bills are going to have to plan now for both quarterbacks too. And right. 
something that Kansas City does so well is being able to adjust, just like you said. So making sure that there is a backup plan. If, okay, we're stopping the run game, well, what are we going to do when they go to the pass game again? Are we going to do the too high? Are we going to go into quarters? What is it exactly that we feel is going to be the best moving forwards? One of the players that wasn't playing in that defeat earlier on in the season that, that is, has been critical to the Bills' successful stop, it was Matt Milano. So him coming back, that can have, we always key in on Mahomes and, uh, and the offensive players typically, but a player like Matt Milano can be, can be crucial in this game, can't he? Yeah, and he's got so much game smarts. He is such an intelligent guy. Uh, he's always in the building. He's studying, you know, it is a part of their DNA to be in there and, and really always improving themselves. So the communication, now he's on year three working with Tremaine um, Edmonds, you know, that relationship as well is, mm. is imperative. I mean, we've just seen our defense growing strength to strength throughout this whole season because, you know, they did start off a bit rocky and it was offense that was ironically holding the fort together at first, right. but now the defense has really stepped up and I think you have to look at momentum as well. I mean, that plays such a key role going forwards when you've got that energy and that kind of like snowball effect behind you, Bill's mafia, everyone's involved. So I think it's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be high scoring. Although I said that last weekend with the Ravens and I was completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the weather, I guess going to play a factor to a degree. And um, I guess ground game on for both teams it, particularly if Edward Seller doesn't start, it, it's fair to say it isn't the strong suit, but of course you've got two dual threat quarterbacks who can, can pick up the slack there. With the Bills ground game, what do you think has been the, the problem they're establishing it more effectively? So against the Chiefs earlier on in the season, they uh, averaged less than four a carry, and that's kind of been the story of this Bills ground game. Right? They haven't been able to, to get anything particularly going. How come? What, what's been the cause of that? Yeah, and I mean, I, the ironic bit is that really Coach McDermott loves the run game and, and you have to be able to run the ball in this league. Mm-hmm. Um, but we turned into more of a spread offense and we've been passing it so much more. Um, and, and that's really where the heart of it is, knowing that you've got Josh uh, in terms of his passing ability. But, you know, I think the the exciting thing that Josh brings to the table is that you have to account for him in the ground game. Mm. So you have to now defensively plan who's going to be your spy linebacker, who's going to take care of him when his legs are there. Um, you know, I think there was a bit of, you know, lack of consistency with some of the tight ends in terms of a lot of injuries earlier on. Um, and that makes a big, a big difference, but offensive line, they've really started to pull themselves together. Um, you know, even if you look at the the running backs, they're, they're all really quite young. They're, you mm. know, second year, third year guys. So that experience plays a, a massive role as well. They've not played against that many different defenses. And, and to be fair, Kansas City's got a, a great defensive line that are, they're going to come for you every time. They're going to try and contain Josh every time. So, you know, it, it's, it's identifying those blitzes that are coming in. There's so many different things that our backs have to think about. Um, but I think, you know, enough practice now. They've There's no more excuses anymore, right? We've, we've played, we made it this whole season. It's just going to be important that everyone does their role and you finish your blocks and you run through, you know, full speed ahead. Well, you've obviously, you've got influence in the building, Phoebe. Christian Wade's sitting there on the practice squad. I mean, surely you could put an email in and get him, get him a nod just in time for, for the Super Bowl. <laughs> Yeah, nothing like baptism by fire, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can you imagine that's your first game in the NFL coming oh to the God. coming to the Super Bowl? Do you know on just on the it's a, it's a great point you make about Allen that 
they'll have to c- contend and uh, consider him and, and his ground game as well. And we know this is a Chiefs defense you can run on. Do you think that to some degree that could be the way that the Bills look to approach this game? Yes, we expect Allen to design runs as well as his improvisation to, to do some damage there. But do you think it might, the sucker punch, the counter punch might be if they do try and lead with the run and, and surprise people because they know that it's a, a weak link for the Chiefs? Yeah, definitely. And, and you have to look at, you know, what have we done historically? Because most teams study your past five games when you're, we're building up to playing each other. So looking at what we've done historically, you're still looking at more of a past game. So what are they, what are they going to game plan for? What are they going to spend most of their practice on? It probably will be, you know, the um, coverage team. So for us, I think it would be a great idea to kind of get some draws in there, get some exciting QB run plays in there too. um, And then have our running backs just kind of, punch him in the mouth to start the game off. You know, mm. that's, it would be a really big statement and it would be taking advantage of the weaknesses that, that Kansas city has. Yeah. I love that him in the mouth early doors. I mean, that would be given the form that the Allen and the, and the, and the impact of this passing game, if they are to able to establish in the first quarter, a strong ground game control the clock, which of course is what you want to do against Mahomes as well. Bingo. That could get interesting. Yeah. What would this mean to, to the Buffalo fans? I mean, you, you know, it's a, it's a team every time we do a show together. I tell you how much I love Buffalo because I do, I love, I love the team since I was a kid. They are just in my life as a, an NFL fan. First and foremost, they are one of those great teams that as a kid, I've got these memories of Jim Kelly and these brilliant teams that, that, uh, that didn't quite make it. And they were great teams, weren't they? I think you forget that. The, the ESPN 30 for 30 for Falls of Buffalo, it just reminds you these are inc- these incredible teams by and large that for whatever reason uh, didn't quite get over the line. And it's a, a football mad city, state. I mean, what would a Super Bowl mean to this fan base, Phoebs? Oh, I mean, even like the thinking about it, like gives me goosebumps just because I know how much it would mean to these, to the, the people of Buffalo and, and Bill's fans worldwide. You know, I, like you were saying, it is completely at the heart of the city. People from Buffalo, they start tailgating on Thursday nights for Sunday night games, <laughs> you know, that. and it's not a very rich area. So these people literally spend whatever extra money they have to go and watch Buffalo play. I mean, they literally dedicate their lives to this team. Um, so for, for Buffalo to bring a Super Bowl back to, to Buffalo would just, I think, People could die happy, you know. I mean, I don't know if you've seen any of the videos of when the guys land back at the airport. The fans are lining the streets. They're surrounding them. You know, even if it was a loss, they're still out there supporting the team. And, I mean, I I think the team also now feels like they want to do it for Bill's Mafia. They've always had that, and they want to done it for themselves. But, I mean, most of the guys in the building right now are just saying, we want to do this for Bill's Mafia because you guys give us so much joy and, and you allow us to, to be the best version of ourselves. Mm. I mean, I, I can't, after that, I can't imagine any neutral listening to this that doesn't, <laughs> doesn't want a Bill's win on, <laughs> on Sunday. And I would love to see it as well. Phoebe, it's great to see you. Thanks for dropping by. Uh, before you go, tell us what you're up to. UK Duke's rolling strong, I hope. Yeah, absolutely. UK Duke's is rolling strong. It's always exciting. I'm in... Florida right now. So working with NFL flag in my female ambassador role, we've got an NAIA showcase, which is for all the females that are looking to go play flag football in college and university. 
So I can't wait to see some of the incredible talent out here. Um, but all football, all the time. And, and when Buffalo makes it to the Super Bowl, I will be staying in Tampa and I will be there. <laughs> Amazing. All right, that, if that side and seal that delivered it, then if there wasn't listeners right now, if there isn't uh, any other reason that you should support the Bills on Sunday, if you don't have any skin in the game, that is the reason. Let's get Phoebe Schechter to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 55. It's good to see you. Look after yourself and check in soon, yeah? Thank you. You too. Right then, gang, four teams standing, only two will roll on to Super Bowl 55, and I and Mike Carlson will be with us on Monday to look back at the championship games and to start us getting set for the Super Bowl. Remember, we are going to be dropping episodes all the way up to the big game. During Super Bowl week, four, maybe five pods coming your way. Lots of bonus video content on our social channels as well, at the NC Show. If you're not following us on there, make sure you do some great guests lined up for that Super Bowl build-up as well. So I cannot wait for that as we keep on rolling. Thanks to Phoebe. Thanks to Greg. Thanks to all of you for checking out the show. We'll see you Monday. Bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.